Hey everybody, welcome into the Cyclone Scoop. Alex Halsted here, joined by Dylan Mods. We're still here in Orlando, Florida, and uh, Dylan, uh, thanks for coming on. I wanted to bring you on, and we'll spend some time here at the top talking about the Camping World Bowl and what we saw here in Orlando uh, between Iowa State and Notre Dame, but I think also a chance here to put a bow on the 2019 season, what, what this season was, uh, kind of final thoughts on the season, and then maybe a quick little look ahead to 2020 and some of the questions that Iowa State will have when they arrive back uh, in Ames, and especially when they arrive for winter workouts in January. So uh, thanks for being on, and uh, I guess we'll jump in here and, and get going on this game. Yeah, it's it's good to be with you, and it's it's a few hours after the game now, so we've had time to digest some things, which will hopefully make it a little bit more interesting. We can put some things into perspective. And the football seasons are always such a whirlwind to begin with, so kind of having a little bit of a removed aspect from it will hopefully help uh, put everything into context, and then we can kind of uh, go beat by beat of, of how the season, I guess, turned out. Yeah, we're back here uh, at the hotel. Uh, it's been a few hours since the game ended, so I think we've had time to – kind of sift through uh, what we heard from Matt Campbell, Brock Purdy, and some of the players, uh, and also maybe let uh, things die down. We we uh, ate supper and stuff and uh, wasn't really thinking about football. So now we're, we're back here uh, kind of getting back in the in the football groove. And uh, Dylan, what were your first thoughts? I guess Iowa State loses 33-9. to I would have picked Iowa State to lose if someone made me make a projection. You know, that's what I was kind of talking about this week. I don't know if anyone ever asked me for an official score or projection. But I thought it was going to be a closer game. And I think the thing that's surprising more than anything is not that Iowa State lost. You know, Notre Dame's a team that in the last two years now has lost three games in the college football playoff to Clemson and this year on the road to Michigan and Georgia. I mean, this is a really good Notre Dame team that if they wouldn't have lost to Michigan this year is probably in the conversation with Oklahoma for the college football playoff. So I'm not shocked they lost, but the way they lost. This is their worst loss since the last game of 2016 when they lost by 30 points to West Virginia. Um, Iowa State now in the last three years, has lost only two games by 14 or more points. They lost by 14 last year to Texas, and today they lost by 24 points to Notre Dame. So it's the worst loss we've seen in a while, and I think that's what surprises me. Not that they lost, but just the fashion it came. Well, and the style they play doesn't usually allow for those kinds of losses to happen. And even when they've gotten down by three scores earlier this season against Baylor and then against Oklahoma, they've always been able to hit some sort of rhythm. They'll they'll have stretches where Brock Purdy will be able to string together some throws. Uh, Brees Hall will be able to bust off a couple runs. They'll have things click enough where it doesn't just pile on, but... Today it just it, things never turned their way, and they played poorly. Don't I mean that's obvious, and it's it's there's no way to sugarcoat that. But they also weren't lucky in any of the things that happened. They had a couple fumbles that could have uh, bounced different ways. You know the one, the first one with Tariq Milton on the punt return, and then um, the next possession, Brock Purdy fumbles it uh, as he's scrambling out to the right. It was a strip sack. Um, the ball didn't bounce right that right their way that way either. It just is. Uh, the, the false start that they had at the three-yard line. Uh, you know, it's just the same kind of stuff that we've talked about all season long that's that's just kind of cropping up again. And I think that's probably the most disappointing thing is Matt Campbell and, and the players preach about the margins and, and how important it is to take care of the details all the time. But it seems like um, when they do go and lose games, that's always the issue is that the details are never right. So this will be a conversation I guess we can have later in the podcast and looking forward. But 
what's it going to take to get those right so they aren't always the issue every single game because that's that's what's holding them back right now and it's it's hard to sit after this game you know and and look for answers because it feels like there are just so many questions yeah i think you know that that was really it from the beginning i would say forces a three and out on defense right away and on the punt return they fumble it and notre dame gets a short field and gets a, a field goal out of it offense gets the ball for the first time they're driving and Brock Purdy scrambles out of the pocket and fumbles. Notre Dame goes and scores a touchdown. And so Iowa State fumbles twice in, in the first half of the first quarter, and Notre Dame puts up 10 points, and all of a sudden you're down 10 nothing to the number 15 team in the country that's, you know, beat basically everybody in their sights except for a couple, you know, top 10 teams. And so it's difficult to put yourself in those holes, and we've seen them do that year or game after game this season, whether it's Baylor when they're down 20 nothing or Oklahoma when you're down 20 uh, one points, you know, late in that game, you can't always put yourself in those situations. And today, Iowa State didn't make that comeback that we've seen at times. Um, but Matt Campbell talked after the game how it was kind of the same thing that you know it's six, seven, eight plays in this game that make the difference. And you could probably say that about a lot of games this year with Iowa State. You look back at the Iowa game; they lose by a point. There's one or two plays that you can say made the difference in that game. Uh, you look at the Baylor game; they lose by a point. There's a couple plays in that game that make the difference. Um, the Oklahoma State game, it gets to 27 all. They throw a pick six. The Oklahoma game, they, you know, had opportunities. Whether it's the the two point conversion or something else that happened in that game, there's always been a couple plays this year, and I think that's what the frustrating thing is for fans and and probably for the team at this point is. Yeah, Iowa State's going to finish the season now seven and six, but you know they were close to being nine and three. They could have um, won a lot of different games, but you can only talk about the what ifs, you know, so much. And that's what today is a little bit is what ifs. They really felt like they got dominated, but Matt Campbell's not wrong when he says six, seven plays made the difference because you mentioned some of them there. You know, the two fumbles. There's a near interception. Well, Michael Petway had a, a ball in his hands in the end zone, drops that fourth and one. They don't get it. Notre Dame goes and scores on a short field. There's just too many little plays and. You know, if they want to get over that hump and fulfill some of the expectations that they have, as we'll probably talk about here in a bit, uh, they've got to start making some of those those critical plays, and that's really what was lacking all year, and I think today kind of sums it up perfectly. I mean, this is kind of a encapsulation of what the season was, is just not making some of those critical plays. Well, and I saw it, it was one national media member for sure, and it might have even been a couple that, you know, Iowa State's going to be the best 7-6 and six team nationally, and some, some of that may be facetious, but... At what point is it just, uh, you know, is that just kind of their identity where they're, they just, they're a quote unquote good team, but just things don't go their way. At some point that just kind of becomes part of your identity. And then unfortunately for this group, who I do think is talented and has the pieces to be that, you know, eight, nine, 10 potentially win team that we talked about preseason, um, they just kind of got in their own way a lot of times. And obviously, like you mentioned today, Notre Dame, they're just the better team straight up. But I think, um, you know, this season is going to be remembered for Iowa State getting in its own way more than um, more than opponents slowed it up, at least in the regular season. Today is kind of uh, its own little sector of the year, but um, that's just kind of what this team turned out to be. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to – for someone to sum it up, Michael Petway went back four or five times and said, Iowa State beat Iowa State. And it's not that simple. I think Notre Dame's just a really good team. But he's right in in a lot of different ways because if Tariq Milton doesn't fumble that punt 
you know, I would say has a chance to score first or at least start moving the ball downfield and start playing a, a field position game. Instead, a few plays later, Notre Dame's on the board with three points after you had forced a three and out. Um, you know, then you look a little later in the game, and I would say gets to the three-yard line on a big pass from Brock Purdy to Sean Shaw, and they get to the three-yard line, and it's a false start. You're back to the eight, and all of a sudden you're kicking a field goal a few, few plays later. And there's just so many little instances where Iowa State either limited itself from scoring or Notre Dame's putting up points that maybe they shouldn't have been in position to put up. Um, you know, there's a point in the game, I think it's actually halftime, and Iowa State's getting out gained 207 yards to 204 yards, yards per place basically identical at 6.4 and 6.3. And I know those aren't perfect measures, but I think in a lot of ways that game was even at least at halftime. But Iowa State's losing the turnover margin 0-2, to two, and, you know, they're, they're doing some different things um, offensively that are shooting themselves in the foot and you're losing at halftime and then you come out of halftime and in uh, Notre Dame on its first offensive play breaks an 84 yard run and it's like game over. And so there's moments for them to still be in that game, even when they got down say 14 points and they just still couldn't find ways to, you know, put stuff together. And I think, you know, you got to give Notre Dame some credit for that, but some of it's just, Iowa State. you know, it's, it's like those, those, those false starts come at terrible moments. And, um, you know, it's it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is because when Iowa State talks about the details and, and getting over the hump, it's hard to quantify that because we know that those things are winning the turnover battle. We know those things are, you know, not having some of the penalties that they've had, um, not giving up the big plays that maybe they gave up at times, especially on third and longs a couple times. But how do you fix that? And that's what's gonna be the question this offseason. And how do you how do you actually fix that? Because it was the problem probably when you look back to some of those games in October. It was a problem in the Kansas State game. They lost a turnover battle there and uh, had a lot of penalties. And that's the problem today against Notre Dame after the last several times we've talked to Matt Campbell the last few weeks, he's talked about how they think they figured out what it is. Now they got to go to work on the details. And it's still the details that this season was kind of just an inverse of what we've seen recently of, of those details gone wrong. Yeah, even a, a football novice can watch the team and know what the issues are. And I'm not a you know football expert by any means. I just, but it's just like you can look and see what the problems are. It's it is those those untimely turnovers. It's those untimely penalties. Um, but and, and Matt Campbell kind of talked about it today too. He said um, he he put a lot of the onus on himself. He said um, you know the, the the what is he offside jumping off sides on fourth and short can't happen or the long third down conversions can't happen. But it all is going to come back to coaching too. And it's get it, it's the coaches I guess to figure out how to to put those guys in better positions. It's the players to figure out the execution and what they're being asked to do. And it's just kind of putting all those pieces together. And uh, we've seen glimpses of it, um, you know, but it's just they can't put it together uh, for a full four quarters. And, and you tweeted it earlier today is that it, it might have been after the first quarter when they were down 10 nothing. that, well, I, I would say it's going to have to wait till 2020 to see if they can finally put a full game together because, um, you know, Louisiana Monroe is as close as they got and you know even that had its bumps here and there so it's just it's it's gonna have to be a you know full off seasons worth of work and really investigating to see where this team and how how you go about doing it whether it's you know on the coaches players what the blend of that is to to get things right yeah that's that's the thing and those were my words I guess the tweet uh, early in the game after the first quarter we knew they weren't going to play a complete four quarters because they didn't play a very good first quarter uh, those are obviously my words, but they're Matt Campbell's words from recently. He had said just as as recently as Friday 
at uh, his pregame press conference that his hope was that for the first time this season, Iowa State would play a, a complete full full four-quarter game, and they didn't do that again, and so they have to wait till next year. It's just they played so well at times this season, and some games they played well for almost a full game, but just there are always moments where they just didn't play that complete game, and, and uh, it just kind of eluded them, and it's going to be something that they have to look to um, to next year, and they go into the offseason on a sour note. I don't think it's ever like a, a positive to lose a game like this, but um, you know, I think losing by 24 maybe does wake them up to some different things that they need to get corrected, you know, because some of these issues are issues that uh, whether it's Greg Eisworth or Michael Petworth, whoever we talked to after the game said, yeah, these were issues in other games. And I think now it's just like they got to actually figure out what some of those issues are and how they correct them. And that's going to be the most difficult part of this offseason, I think, is because some of that is coaching. Um, like Matt Campbell said, you know, the third and longs, maybe Iowa State needs to figure out, you know, better things to do with its defensive scheme. But Tariq Milton fumbling a punt return uh, – I guess it goes back to coaching because technically coaches, you know, teach the fundamentals of, of some of that stuff. But when people are blaming coaching, you, it, it, that can only go so far. That is maybe some of the things on a fourth and one call or um, the defensive scheme on why they're giving up these third and 15s. But Brock Purdy's fumble or Treek Milton's fumble or uh, Marcel Spears having a near interception or Michael Petway dropping a, a ball in the end zone. Um, a couple of those tough plays in terms of the interception and the, and the touchdown. I think those are those were tough plays. But at some point, you just have to make those plays, and the players can't fumble the ball. I mean, the coaches aren't out there handling that punt return. Tariq Milton did the right thing in terms of returning that one, and he had poor ball security. And so the coaches are to blame for some of it, but some of those things are players having to execute. You know, that's like what Brock Purdy told us is they just have to execute better in critical moments. And and uh, the one thing I think we can, we can get from this, and Iowa State can take as a positive, is a lot of these players now are pretty young. You know, Brees Hall. Sean Shaw, um, different guys are young, and now they've been through some of the moments for the first time in their career and made mistakes maybe that sometimes the mistakes turn into positives and maybe that's what Iowa State will see in 2020. Yeah, I think that was a good point too, what you mentioned, that maybe this is a little bit more of a jarring good way. If Good sounds weird to say, but maybe it's it's a, you can use it as a pot. You can spin it in a way that you can get use it to your benefit going into the offseason where – you know, if you would have had another close loss by three points or whatever, how much does that really affect? You can kind of still think, okay, there's there's things here. We, we're not that far off. And I'm not even saying they're that far off because of this game, but it's just it's probably like a smelling salt or whatever. It like just zaps your energy, and all of a sudden you're really aware, you're hyper aware of what the issues are. I think you can go to work on them that much more easily. I think maybe it shows them where the gap is. You know, right. Notre Dame was in the college football playoff last year. They brought back a lot from that team. It shows them where the gap is that re- is remaining. Campbell told us after the game, they found out now they compete, can compete with the best teams in the conference, Oklahoma, Texas. They've beat both of them in the last several years. But now they see kind of – and Oklahoma's been a playoff team when they beat them, obviously. They beat them that year and Oklahoma went to the playoff. But I think it shows them that where the gap is for them to still be – Notre Dame didn't make mistakes today, really. You know, I can't think of many mistakes Notre Dame made. Yeah, I mean, they were there were just mismatches all over the field. It was at both lines where we thought – and the offensive line, and we can get to this or not, I guess, depending. But the offensive line held its own more than I thought it would, given that Julian Good-Jones was out and they had to reconfigure the group with Josh Knifel at left tackle and Colin Newell at right guard. Um, yeah, I think Notre Dame had four sacks, but one of them they gave on Brees Hall, and then one of them was uh, Brock 
when he rolling out. rolling out and fumbled it. So they really didn't give. I thought he had time at times to sit in the pocket. Yeah, I thought. All things considered, with how good that front is. Yeah, if you just look at the stat sheet, it probably is maybe a little bit more deceiving than I thought how things went. But um, you know, Notre Dame obviously big on both lines. Chase Claypool was a monster out there. He just was a, a total mismatch for whoever he was going against in the Iowa State secondary, and they played off him a little bit too, so it gave him a lot of space to go and operate, but. Ian Book had the long third down conversion, but they, yeah, they just looked comfortable from start to finish. They they were never put in any awkward, weird um, situations where they had to really work for, for much. It just was it came pretty easy to them today. So it's just, you know, the, the, like you mentioned, I think that's a, maybe the best way to say it. The, the gap it was just more evident today, and that gives you something to gauge your progress or process off of it uh, going into the off season and then through spring ball and then the summer. Let's wrap up the camping world bowl by going through each phase and just sharing a, a few thoughts, I guess, of, of what you saw from each phase uh, offensively. Let's start there. I think the big thing that stood out to me offensively is I just can't think of a lot of big plays that, that stood out in the passing game. Um, you know, there, there were a couple, I guess the Sean Shaw one that gets you down to the three-yard line that was there. But they really did a good job, Notre Dame did, of taking Charlie Kohler away. Um, I think they put, put you know, their best defenders on him at times uh, and eliminated him. But I would say it's got to find ways to get to that next guy. And and uh, Purdy had a couple nice throws that were just out of bounds. You had one that was to Petway that was inbounds. It was in the end zone, and it, Petway had it on the replay. And uh, I think he j- it just kind of slipped through his hands. There's another one that in the corner of the end zone, Purdy – just didn't have enough time, had to get it away. Um, and I just think they were just off on a few different big passing plays, and there's just nothing that really stands out as major. Uh, I thought, you know, Brees Hall made a couple really good plays in the passing game. That's one thing we saw as the season went along. He was a really good pass catcher, had a couple nice runs. Wasn't his best game, but I think he was okay. And I think offensively, if there's the, the brightest spot might be what Brees Hall continued to do, at least just showing what he can do. I think he went over 900 yards for the season, and that's why not playing really the first three or four games if you take, you know, total snaps into, into account. Um, but, yeah, that was probably my thought offensively. It's just nothing really stood out in terms of a big play uh, in the passing game, and that's why I obviously had to settle for three field goals. Yeah, the, the only real sequence is when uh, they moved it down the field quick at the end of the first half when um, I think Purdy hit Milton for 28 yards, he hit Deshante for 11, hit Sean Shaw for 28, they get to the three-yard line, but like we talked about, then they fall start and end up kicking a field goal. Uh, other than that, it was really sporadic, and, and Brees Hollett, I think a 29-yard catch, um, he was really active in his uh, 3.2 yards per carrier. Um, you know, that's that's lower than you want it to be, but he had a couple nice runs that I thought he could, um, he, he burst through, and um, you know, it's just the the plays they needed were too few and far between. But I think um, there are encouraging things for next year. Obviously, Purdy returning is encouraging. Brees Hall having now the full season, you know, in front of him as the guy in the backfield. You have Sean Shaw, who's been coming on really strong the second half of this year. Tariq Milton's back. Um, you'll add Xavier Hutchinson. Um, from the JUCO ranks, uh, who was in this past signing class. So are there, there are things to look forward to. You just you have to replace the offensive line, a lot of the pieces there. But yeah, I think um, you know the the plays they needed today weren't there, but maybe some glimpses of of what could be there because there are so many young guys that contributed this year that will be called upon a lot more next year. Then you look at the defensive side of the ball. It's weird, you know, giving up thirty three points is is not a number that. 
is going to always win you games. And so from that perspective, it, it wasn't the defense's best performance. Um, I don't know what the total yardage ended up being. At one point I looked and uh, Iowa State was getting out game pretty decently and Notre Dame was above 400 yards. I, I don't know. I mean, I thought the defense started off really well, like I said, forcing the three and out, and then they had to go right back on the field. And they did their job, I thought, again, by holding Notre Dame to a field goal. Um, the touchdown came on after a Brock Purdy fumble and um, it was a shorter field. They Notre Dame got set up with a shorter field when Iowa State failed to convert a fourth and one. You know, so Notre Dame had some short fields at times. Um, I think the one thing that hurt Iowa State, or the two things that hurt Iowa State, one is big plays. You know, uh, Chase Claypool is really good and, you know, made plays. Um, but giving up some of those third downs, I think, really hurt them, and that's what stands out. And then you give up the 84-yard run. I think that was probably the worst play of the game because, you know, they were kind of in it and then, you know, give that up. So, I don't know. Defensively, I thought that it was kind of hit and miss. I think ultimately they didn't do what they needed to do, you know, to be in that game, but they weren't really the sole reason that they lost that game. Yeah, Notre Dame averaged seven yards per play, and Iowa State was at 4.6. So there's there's disparity there, obviously. But, yeah, I, like I was saying, I, I just think there were too many mismatches. And the defense, you know, early on they got that first that stop on Notre Dame's first possession Three and out, right? Yep. So it, they played well early. Um, they were on the field for 10 plays before Notre Dame got that field goal, and Iowa State's offense actually touched the ball. So they were put in some tough spots, um, but it, it's kind of the same thing. And We might have talked about it before, but the, the defense, as good as it's been the last few years, there are ways that offenses are starting to figure out that concept a little bit. So the, the challenge for that group in the offseason is going to be what – wrinkles they can add to it do they go back to a little bit more of a four-man front do they uh stick with the three-man front concept and and add in some wrinkles where they bring guys up as more of like a five linebacker set it's just there's gonna have to be some things that they they switch up probably to to stay ahead of the curve like they were a couple years ago but it, yeah the, the big plays they were evident in the Oklahoma State game there were three big plays that led to Oklahoma State's three touchdowns and then today, um, too many, too many plays in too many big moments. Chase, too much Chase Claypool. Um, Ian Book was comfortable all day. Uh, just not enough disruption uh, that occurred. Yeah, it seemed like Iowa State was okay at um, maybe clamping down once they drove the field, but there was enough big plays that offset a lot of that. Um, and so I think that's an area where Iowa State's been pretty good under John Haycock. He's not giving up big plays, but there were a couple games this year that big plays really hurt them. Uh, you mentioned Oklahoma State. Today was another example, and they just got to probably tweak some things. They return a lot of that defense, so experience-wise, it's just going to get it's just going to get more experience. And typically, experience is kind of the king of of things in in college football. So we'll see what that um, equates to in twenty twenty. Uh, let's round out the game then with uh, special teams. Um, probably a, a pretty good grade in two phases of special teams, and then one not so good. I'd say the return game continues to just not be very good. Uh, they didn't really try to return anything in the kick game. That's kind of in the story. And then they didn't really return much in the punt return game this year. And then the first one tre tries to return it, and he fumbles. And then later he fair caught one that I think he had enough room to run. And so it's just kind of a mix of not not being very good period there. But Connor Sally was good, uh, hit all three. Um, that's a bowl game record. Not that that's probably any solace for any, uh, anyone, but uh, – um, he did hit three field goals, you know, from I think 26, 41, and 42. He hit eight of his last nine field goals to end the regular season. I thought he, after a really rough patch in the middle of the year, ended up being a pretty 
decent college kicker by the time all was said and done. And I think Joe Rivera was fine in the punting game, and maybe that's a competition with him and Corey Dunn when Corey Dunn returns next year. So kicking and punting I thought was good. The return game still probably a lot to be desired. Yeah, I don't know what they do with the the return game necessarily, but it just it, all year it's been kind of the talking point that – um, you know, it, it always feels like the opposite. Ones that he shouldn't return, he does, and the ones he does return, he shouldn't, vice versa. Um, I don't know. They'll, they'll, it'll just have to be something, again, kind of with the offensive defensive issues that they have to look into. And I, I don't know what wholesale changes you can make with it, but it's one of the things you, you got to investigate. But I thought uh, Connor Sally uh, doing what he did to, today was encouraging, given Braden Narvison's transfer and Sally being the odds-on favorite to to be the guy next year again, um, having him end the regular season and then the bowl game the way he did, um, positive vibes going into the offseason. Joe Rivera averaged, what, 47.2 yards on five punts. So that's that's pretty good. Four were inside the 20. So uh, really good day from those two guys. And, and outside of that, um, you know, a, a lot of uh, – you know, a lot left to be desired. I guess I'll just say that. So Iowa State loses 33-9 to uh, to Notre Dame. Again, the worst loss for Iowa State since uh, losing by 30 in the season finale in 2016. Over the last three seasons, uh, 2017, 2018, and now 2019, uh, before today, Iowa State had lost uh, by no more than 14 points, and that was to Texas last year. So this is, this is abnormal. Iowa State's played mostly competitive games with everybody um, over the last three seasons up until this point. So... Uh, it's abnormal, but uh, uh, a lot of a lot to digest as Iowa State goes into the offseason. But uh, let's round out the the season. Then Iowa State goes seven and six, above five hundred for three straight years. They don't get that eight win um, eight win mark um, for the third straight season, which is still now the only time that's been accomplished is nineteen seventy six to nineteen seventy eight. But um, obviously they missed expectations. I don't think you can sugarcoat that. You know, coming in Iowa State's over under you know win total in Vegas was eight. Um, so they go under that even with a 13th game and it's hard to call it a, I mean, it's weird because it is a disappointing season in terms of not living up to expectations. And I think because of, of the talent, but it's hard to go too overboard and say, this is a, a bad season because where Iowa state was four years ago when, you know, the last three years under Paul Rose, they won eight games total in three years. It's just, it just tells you how far Campbell's brought expectations that, now winning seven games is is certainly not enough. You know, he's just done it so fast that, you know, seven wins is kind of gets fans a little bit down, which is it's crazy to think given where things were even in 2016. Um, but it's just the state of Iowa State football. And Matt Campbell said it's tough because expectations, a lot more comes with it. And Iowa State didn't do everything. But he said he wouldn't want the expectations not to be high. And so it's kind of a two-way street right now. they got to figure out how to meet those expectations. But they understand that they're – facing a hot, lot higher standard than when Matt Campbell arrived. Yeah, I think if you're a fan and you're evaluating the season, if you can put in perspective some of the history, you know, the, this was Iowa State's 15th bowl game ever. I mean, and they didn't go to one from 1978 to 2000, and now they're in three straight um, in three straight seasons. Um, you know, if you can put some of the historical, you know, sad kind of numbers in a perspective a little bit, um, and then, you know, evaluate it with, you know, this season and what could have been, I, I think it's fair to be disappointed, but you still have to remember how how programs are built, I guess, in the infant stages. 
of of teams that are still kind of finding their way. And you know, Iowa State is is certainly in that category, even given some of the successes that they've had the last couple of years with um, winning eight games in their um, in the 2017 season, including the bowl, and then winning eight in the regular season last year. Um, you know, this this team certainly fell short of expectations give in the regular season, you know, the, the preseason. And certainly, um, you know, there are a lot of things left to be desired, a lot of things left out there. But, um, you know, I think it, it's it's fair to be disappointed, but also to take take a step back and realize kind of where where you are in the growing process. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you have to be satisfied with how this right, played out. But right. and, and Matt Campbell, I don't think it's making an excuse when he says that. I think the best is the trajectory of building a program is not just like a straight line upward. You know, there's ups and downs. And Iowa State was pretty much up, up, up through the first three three years. And this is kind of like a slight down, but you just got to maintain it and go back up. And it's going to be up and down and at some point. You know, you hope that you're moving mostly up. But this is kind of a little bump in the road in the sense of I think we didn't talk about enough we talked about how much talent they had and how much they returned. And if they could answer the question at running back and receiver this year, which I think they answered both of them, how good this team could be a big 12 title. And I think we got so caught up in talking about that. And that's what the expectation was that we didn't really think about some of the growing pains that were still going to come. And that's kind of what we end up witnessing this year is, um, you know, three losses by one or two points and, you lose close games because you're not ready to to win them. If that makes sense, I mean, you gotta you gotta learn how to win a one or two point game. You know, Iowa State's gonna play a ton of close games, and they're still not this elite team that's just going to always win those close games. They've got to figure out ways to to make some of those critical plays. And and Purdy said it perfectly. I don't know if he said it today or if he said it this week, but yeah, I think he said it after the game that even when Iowa State won games, they were still making some of these mistakes that made games closer than they needed to be. You look at um, the Kansas game. Iowa State's much better than Kansas this year. They dominated that game, and yet the score was way too close. They still got to figure out ways to not be playing in tight ball games with a Drake, and that was weather related. A Drake, a U and I, a Kansas, and not play up or down to a level of an opponent. I think they're still trying to get there, and that's the one thing. Is you look at a, a, a quarterback sophomore you look at the running back true freshman uh, even charlie core this is his really first true year i mean he played a little bit last year but a redshirt sophomore um Treek milton a true sophomore uh sean shaw a redshirt freshman i mean this team is still pretty young and i think um they've they've got to now use it but the positive is that they've been through those critical moments as we've talked about so it's, it's just kind of a weird season because it's not what everyone wanted it's certainly not i think what everyone expected i think they expected a little bit more but it's not completely like rock bottom or anything i mean this this is one of the it's like you said it's kind of sad but it, it's still statistically one of the better seasons on paper you know and that's not saying i'm not trying to sugarcoat it for fans or make you know whatever and try to make them feel better i'm just saying like iowa state in school history is five times won five or six conference games in a season and three of them are the last three years you know three of the five times they've ever won five games in the big 12 are the last three years including this year i mean that's just the reality of it and you can't change history. Campbell's kind of embracing like they can do better things than history, but that should put it in perspective that it's not probably as bad as people want to think, but it's certainly still away from what Iowa State expects to be under Matt Campbell. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly fair for people to be disappointed. And I don't think people should ever be not disappointed with, with what happened uh, in the game today. But I think, um, you know, in the moment, it's going to be a lot more gloom and doom than it will be 
two months from now. Like the the immediate pain or ups, being upset with the game is going to dissipate somewhat, and then you can kind of again stack, take a step back, take a breath, put things in perspective, and realize what what I guess the the potential is uh, for next year when all the players who maybe stepped into roles that were bigger than we even realized they would be when those people are, you know, kind of the guys being looked to now and they have all this experience behind them and they can go in from the jump and, and be in those kind of more favorable positions, knowing what they've done in the past. So I think, uh, yeah, it's, it sucks right now that it stings, but, um, there is a lot to look forward to with this team. It isn't going to be all, gloom and doom i think um you know you mentioned it's the the growth in a program is not a straight line it's it's gonna curve like hell but um you know that's that's the nature of it and there is a lot i think still to be excited about the team going forward let's hear quick from matt campbell about uh, what he had to say about what it means to be really close and uh what he thinks the expectations could be in 2020 I'll start this off, you know, first and foremost, let me give credit to Coach Kelly. Um, Obviously, Notre Dame, they've got a great football team, a great football program, you know, from an Iowa State standpoint. um, You know, I I walked out of our last football game disappointed maybe with the character in which we played because I thought it was a little bit uncharacteristic of who we are and what our program stood for. But today, I don't. Um, Obviously, there's about seven or eight plays in this football game that really – dictated the outcome of the football game in some ways for us that allowed us to be inefficient. And unfortunately, that's it's, it's really what's held us back at times this football season from becoming the team that we do have the ability to become. But the character, the passion, um, the love of this senior class, what these young men have taught us and given to this football team has been some great lessons that we'll be able to carry forward in a really powerful way. But uh, with that said, I'll certainly open any questions that you might have for us. Did it surprise you that at this point in the season there are still the little detailed things that you guys are working on because it has been such a, a big talking point and then it was cropping up again today after you know a month? Yeah, you know, I, I think today's where it, a little bit different was, you know, you, you're talking about a, a ball on the ground here, a ball on the ground there. You know, I think we've done a fairly good job all season with that. And then you got to give credit to those guys. You know, they've got an outstanding defensive front, um, you know, made a great play on special teams to rake the ball out. and. You know, I, I think from my, my standpoint of it is, you know, I've seen great growth in some of the areas that, that have occurred during the season, and yet there's still areas that we have to get figured out. And, you know, you, you can't jump off sides inside the 10-yard line any more than Iowa State football has this year. And that's coaching. <laughs> you know, it, it's not, it can't be, can't be blaming anybody. That's coaching. And so, you know, you can't continue to give up third and long. You know, that's coaching. And so some of those areas, we have to look ourselves in the mirror and we got to figure out how to get those things answered because you're right. Those are things that have continued to rear its ugly head. Um, and I'll be the first one to take accountability for it. And we'll, have, we'll do a great job this offseason figuring it out. Um, <clears throat> Michael Lossie, Dravitz Gazette. Matt. You said a couple of moments ago that you think you're really close. What what does that mean? How do you define it? Why do you think that? Well, I, I think when you when you can really step back and watch these games, and you can really see that, you know, when we got here, Mike, and you got a great understanding that I think four years ago, there wasn't even a thought that we could compete with teams like this. Um, there was no thought that we can compete with the best play, best teams in our conference. And, you know, and, and to be quite honest with you, I don't know if there's a lot of people that thought we can compete with our rival in our own state. 
And now you fast forward to a season like this. And I knew this was going to be a really unique and challenging year because this was a team where there was great expectations put on a football team. And yet there was so much youth and so many young players that had to step into critical roles um, in this team. And so I think going through these experiences and being really close and understanding that there are six, seven, eight plays in a game that are dictating what happens in the end result, I think our kids feel, and I think why you're so disappointed, because you feel how close you really are to where you want to be. But again, those six, seven, eight plays, you know, saying that and doing that are two different things. And I'm, I'm the first guy to know that and understand that. So getting over that hump, taking that next step, boy, that's a great challenge. It's a great challenge for Iowa State football, but uh, no, no, no greater challenge, to be honest with you, that I'd rather tackle than that challenge right there. And I know our coaching staff feels the same way. Matt, because of the seniors, like Deshante and you know, your, other, your other seniors, next year's 2020 team, these guys who laid the foundation, next year's 2020 team would look like it has the foundation to win, be more than a seven or eight win team. Is that accurate? Yeah, you know, again, and, and Randy, you, I would say this, and probably you'd say, well, let's coach speak a little bit, and maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. I, I think, again, every team, you don't know what you are or what you're not until you get through some of these critical months, January, February, March, April, May. Um, because to me, it's not just talent. It's not just who's playing what. It's where are some of your gaps? What does this year's team's gaps look like? You know, last year's gaps, I could have told you, you're losing the Brian Peavy and you're losing David Montgomery and Akeem Butler and these guys who have been pillars of excellence in your program. And now you lose the Ray Limas and the Deshantes and, and you lose some of these guys and, and Marcel Spears that have been pillars of success. But, you know, one of the things that I think we're a lot closer to today than we were even a year ago is we played a lot of guys. A lot of guys got unbelievable opportunity to be able to point in critical situations, maybe better than we've ever been in our program. And so I think it is fair to say, man, those levels of expectations need to continue to be high. We want them to be high, and we're not going to shy away from them being high. So that was Matt Campbell talking about uh, kind of the expectations for next year, but also what he means when he talks about Iowa State being close and uh, getting over the hump. And Dylan, let's end uh, with that. 2020, I think now that they've been through the season, they can't use the excuse next year of being young. They can't use the excuse next year of having to kind of learn through some of these moments when they're facing expectations. They're going to face expectations again because you bring back um, a second team all Big 12 quarterback and running back. You bring back a good chunk of your defense. There's going to be holes just like there are every year in college football. But they return enough and they've said that they've been through some of the learning moments with the close losses and, and some of the painful moments of 2019, that 2020 there's going to be expectations again. I don't know what the over-under number is going to be. It could be eight again. But they're going to be expected, I think, by a lot of fans, uh, maybe a little more, bit more cautiously, to be in the, in the conversation of the top half of the Big 12 again. What, what's the biggest question for you as Iowa State goes into January? Maybe the couple biggest questions as they go into January. Yeah, it's, it's probably – Again, it's kind of like what we've talked about the last few years, but the offense, it's going to be what do they do with the offensive line because that group at times this year did look like it made the kind of progress that people were hoping for, but now you got to go replace four starters technically, but then Colin Newell's coming back into the mix, so it's really three starters. For sure, three guys that probably did not play this year. I mean, right. Trevor Downing, Colin right. Newell will be in there, and then you got to play 
put three guys in that have not probably played Big 12 football, except for maybe Joey Ramos has played four snaps. Right, and, and Matt Campbell has mentioned that the, the group of offensive linemen that they recruited in the last class, you know, maybe the best assemblance of, of an offensive line class that the staff has put together between the Iowa State days or the Toledo days. But again, those are young guys. You never know what to expect necessarily. Uh, you know, then maybe they they had a graduate transfer at some point. Who knows? But I, I think that's that's going to be a big question. And then conversely, it's on um, the defensive line. What do they do with the interior? And and I guess those are maybe a little bit more um, you know nitty gritty X's and O's type of position questions. I think there's some existential questions about what how this team handles pressure and expectations again after uh, falling short in 2019. But um, those are the first two things I think of is how do they replace the, the, the guys at the point of attack because that is going to be so imperative to help those skill guys go um, perform the way that uh, many people think they could or, or should be able to. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be a question, but Campbell doesn't seem a, really overly worried. I think he, he feels a lot – it seems a lot more confident in talking to him about the guys that they have than they have been ever before in terms of just guys stepping in. Joey Ramos, Robert Hudson need to be ready. Like you said, graduate transfer. I, ex- I expect them to go look for a graduate transfer, maybe ex- maybe especially an offensive tackle. Um, so we'll see how that line comes together. But, you know, Trevor Down and Colin Newell, I think, have played good football, but there's three more guys that got to be there. Defensive, defensively, you mentioned the interior. Latrell Bankston's got to come in at mid-year as a JUCO, um, a JUCO All-American, and, and really step in right away. Isaiah Lee and Josh Bailey, those guys have to step up quickly. You know, it's kind of their time. And then if they're not ready, then you know, obviously it's going to have some questions in that interior. But when we've talked about what they lose, you know, they lose, you know, really three linemen, like you said. They lose four seniors on the offensive line, but three in terms of, you know, three two of those guys are going to have played. Um, you know, Charlie Kohler announced right after the game he's going to come back and not go to the NFL. Um, so they don't lose anything at tight end. DeSante Jones and Petway are going to be big losses, but we've seen them replace Hakeem Butler. Um, they're going to have Sean Shaw, Xavier Hutchinson, uh, Joe Skates, some different guys that can step in there. You know, they got to do it, but you know, we've seen them replace that. And the other big piece uh, defensively is probably replacing Marcel Spears. But again, Jay Cumble's been kind of preparing for this moment, so they replace pieces just like you do any year in a college football program. But they return so much. Um, you know, production-wise, they really lose a lot at receiver, but otherwise, they return pretty much most of their production on both sides of the ball. And so. Like you said, there's not lot, not a lot of excuses, but you know we're gonna find out really what Iowa State can, what is their, what their next step truly is because they've won eight, eight, seven. Can they finally get to that nine, ten win season? I think 2020 sets up for the year it needs to be when you've got you know Brock Purdy's a junior, Brees Hall, you know 900 plus yards in in I don't know nine games this year. Uh, you still bring back Tariq Milton and. Um, you bring back a good bulk of your defense, most of that defensive line, most of your linebackers, most of your defensive back. Next year's got to be the year, I think, that they get over this hump. And like you said, they've now played through a season of facing expectations. Matt Campbell had said, and he kind of admitted, this is the first time since he's been here and probably in a long time that Iowa State football has really faced expectations and it, it maybe affected them a little bit more than maybe anybody would have thought. But now they've faced it. Now they know what, what it's like to, for people to think you should be in the Big 12 title game. Well, and like you mentioned, playing with expectations is better than not playing with expectations. And even if you're disappointed, which you have a right to be, you should be, um, that's a, it's a sucky way to end the year. But, um, you know, th- they're at a point now where 
they can play in games like these, they're they're becoming more relevant, and there there should be higher expectations because of the talents there. Um, the staff has been in place now for four years. Um, they should be having those kinds of aspirations, and now it's just again whatever the next step is, however they take it, uh, just trying to find a way to do it. So I think that'll do it, Dylan. What um, what will you have on Ames Tribune to recap the season that people should check out if they're Maybe it's not up yet, but that they should head over there for. Yeah, hopefully in the next couple of days. I'm taking a couple of days of vacation, staying in Orlando for a couple of days uh, just to take a breather. Um, but toward the middle of the week, maybe later in the week, I'll have some sort of season recap, um, kind of diving into some of the different things this year. There's a ton of content there right now um, from the game uh, that you can go check out. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep churning out the content. And, you know, you know as well as anybody, college football is like a – 12 month a year sport now so before we know it we'll be back into winter workouts and then spring ball is going to be here um you know in however many weeks yeah i would say we'll report for winter workouts on january 6th that's when all the early enrollees will come there's nine early enrollees this year there's also two gray shirts coming so 11 new scholarship players arrive on campus january 6th they begin winter workouts spring ball will come and uh, there will still be quite a bit to cover. Uh, I'm hoping to have a way too early depth chart, maybe an early look ahead at the 2020 schedule coming. I know it's early, but uh, it's never too early to kind of look ahead. And uh, Brock Purdy said he was going to dive into the film when he got back and start kind of grinding away at looking ahead at 2020. So I think we'll probably be doing the same as well. And uh, soon enough, we'll be back up there in Iowa in the, in the colder weather and um, hopefully talking with Matt Campbell and, and some of those people again. But uh, thanks, Dylan, for joining me, and uh, thanks for listening. And uh, that's it for this 2019 season recap and 2020 look ahead of the Cyclone Scoop. Happy New Year, and uh, see you back when I'm up in Ames.